Widely known as the Indian variant, the dreaded B1617 coronavirus variant has officially arrived in Brazil. The World Health Organization says B1617 is a significant threat due to its high potential for contagion. It is widely suspected of having played a huge role in the brutal coronavirus surge across India in recent months, and it has already spread to dozens of other countries. In the United Kingdom, where cases are on the rise, the government upgraded the mutation to a, quote, variant of concern, the highest level of official alert. And this new, more aggressive variant could not have arrived in Brazil at a worse time. Experts predict a new surge of infections and deaths, and vaccination continues at a snail's pace, with one in five cities facing shortages last week. Also, in the wake of the dramatic COVID wave of January and February 2021, states are now reopening their economies to non-essential businesses. But intensive care unit occupancy rates remain above 90% in seven of Brazil's 27 states. If the country does see another infection peak, only three states would be free from the risk of running out of hospital beds. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. The newly reported cases of the Indian coronavirus variant in Brazil were all found among crew members of an ore carrier ship quarantined off the coast of northeastern state Maranhão. Os primeiros casos da variante indiana de coronavírus. Most patients are asymptomatic, but one was admitted into a hospital and health officials say he is in a critical condition. The government announced it will supply 600,000 rapid COVID-19 tests to be used in airports, roadways and ports in Maranhão, as well as 300,000 doses of Pfizer and AstraZeneca vaccines. Studies have shown both are effective against the Indian variant. The state of São Paulo is said to put up sanitary barriers on roads and airports, but experts believe they are too porous to work effectively. In the northern state of Pará, officials announced another suspected infection with the Indian variant. Meanwhile, the average of daily coronavirus vaccines admitted in Brazil fell 17% in May, and a lack of raw materials suggests nationwide shortages are imminent. Ewan Marshall, hello. Hi, Gustavo. So the seven-day daily average of confirmed coronavirus deaths fell 28% between May the 1st and May the 23rd. And that's quite impressive, but it feels still too soon for a victory lap in Brazil, right? Right. So while deaths did go down, they're still at really high levels. Uh, on May 23rd, the seven-day average of new daily deaths sat at almost 1,900, which is four times the current average in the United States. And the seven-day average for new daily cases actually went up by 9% since the start of this month. 
Now, Health Research Institute Phil Cruz showed that six Brazilian states are likely to see their case numbers rise in the coming weeks. And our listeners will remember the crisis in Amazonas state at the beginning of the year where you know hospitals ran out of beds and oxygen supplies. Patients were left to essentially suffocate to death in the waiting rooms. Well, coronavirus cases in Amazonas have risen 42.3% since the last week of April. And you and the state of Sao Paulo is sort of a beacon for the rest of the country. It is home to one-fifth of the Brazilian population. And we have seen that what happens in Sao Paulo pandemic-wise is usually repeated in other areas. So what is the situation in Sao Paulo right now? The state appears to be reopening, but hospitalizations are going up, right? Well, like most of the country, as the peak of deaths in March and April began to subside, the local government was you know, very eager to roll back restrictions on non-essential businesses and be more lenient with the population. And you know, the explanation for this is quite simple, because Brazil's economy is highly dependent on informal labour. Got some 40% of jobs are unregistered. So, you know, at some point, governments have no choice but to reopen and allow people to get back to earning money. And at the same time in Brazil, there's plenty of that so-called pandemic fatigue. Uh, a recent survey by the National Confederation of Industry shows that many more Brazilians are now in favour of reopening businesses. We have some two-thirds who want shops to be allowed to operate and 47% want schools to reopen. And as a comparison, this time last year, that percentage sat at just 26%. But clearly, the problem with reopening is that Brazil has yet to properly tame the coronavirus spread. The desperate situation seen in March and April has, you know, indeed subsided, but the pandemic is nowhere near to being under control. And as the country rushes back to work, into the streets, infections will just rise once more. And most hospitals in the city of Sao Paulo have ICU occupancy rates of above 80%, with some reaching 95% capacity. In the city of Ribeirão Preto, for example, in the interior of the state, they've just enacted a lockdown, because we're seeing something of a health collapse in the northeastern part of that state. And essentially, epidemiologists say Brazil has not learned from its mistakes. But, again, with so much informal labour, there comes a time when isolation and lockdown just isn't tenable anymore. And what about vaccination? One survey showed that over 1,000 cities in Brazil faced a sort of vaccine blackout last week, being unable to give out shots due to a lack of supplies. Right. Well, last Friday, we published a broad overview of the vaccination situation in Brazil for our premium readers. And, you know, the country's going through a bit of a slump. Um, the average number of daily jabs in arms fell 17% in May, and a lack of raw materials is likely to cause shortages nationwide. Now, the state of Sao Paulo interrupted its production of the Coronavac, and the federally run Osvaldo Cruz Foundation has done the same with the AstraZeneca vaccine. And why is that? Well, Brazil doesn't make its vaccines from scratch, at least not yet. For now, these labs rely on these so-called active pharmaceutical ingredients, which are received from abroad, and that's essentially the kind of raw materials to manufacture vaccines. But these labs have essentially run out of these ingredients. The state government in Sao Paulo blamed this shortage on a, quote, lack of alignment with the federal government, 
suggesting that the Jair Bolsonaro administration is not committed to securing vaccines. And the thing is here, Brazil gets the bulk of its active pharmaceutical ingredients from China, where there are thousands of litres awaiting customs clearance. And pundits say that the reasons for these delays are political. Because if we go back to the start of this month, President Bolsonaro was suggesting that China developed the coronavirus in a lab and spread it themselves as an act of biological warfare. And, you know, coincidentally or not, supplies from China dried up pretty soon afterwards. So we're in this scenario where tons of cities are simply no longer giving out jabs and people who have already received the first shot are left without the crucial second dose, waiting for far longer than the interval recommended by the vaccine's manufacturers. Now, health authorities say that this will have a you know negligible effect on immunisation coverage, but the jury's still out on that. And it's not just a lack of jabs, right? Some cities are blaming federal vaccination protocols for the delays. Yeah, that's right. And some cities say that they have overestimated the size of their elderly populations. And now they're unable to administer these kind of extra jabs to younger patients due to the age-based priority rules laid out by the National Immunisation Programme. Now, there is a plan to set aside 20 to 30% of all vaccines for at-risk citizens of any age, but a move like that would require congressional approval. And there's another problem, Ewan. Winter is coming. And even though Brazilian winter is not nearly as extreme as some places in Europe or North America, that should drive infections up. Yeah, so even though it rarely gets cold during winter, uh, Brazilians do like to dig out their hats and scarves and bomber jackets as soon as it drops below 20 degrees Celsius. So the temperatures do drop just enough to make people stay indoors, avoiding open-air areas. And at the weekend, we saw football fans packing into their local corner bars, young people going to nightclubs, and families taking a stroll in these closed air-conditioned shopping centres which are in almost every Brazilian city. And of course, with poor air circulation and large groups, these types of gatherings could make things get very bad in Brazil very quickly. And in this context, how much of a game-changer is this news that cases of the Indian variant have been spotted in the Northeast? So, the World Health Organization calls the B16178 a variant of concern. Um, It appears to be transmitted more easily between people and it's becoming more and more prevalent in a number of countries. And, like you said at the top of the show, the first confirmed cases were found in a shipping crew off the northeastern Brazilian coast. But the fear is that the mutation has made it to land already and, you know, may have been circulating for some time. So what measures are officials taking to avoid the spread of the Indian variant across Brazil? Brazil restricted flights from India on May 14th. Um, But with the cases found in the northeast and in neighbouring Argentina, health experts are a bit worried that this was too little too late. And in Sao Paulo, the government is planning to set up barriers at airports and ports, turning away anyone who's showing symptoms. We've also seen suspected cases in Brasilia and Rio de Janeiro. It's kind of suggesting that, you know, local administrations might be trying to close the stable door once the horse is bolted. And yeah, it seems likely that the B1617 variant is already circulating in the country because, you know, Brazil has only tested a minute percentage of genome samples. So, you know, we really can't say for sure exactly which mutations that we're dealing with here in the country. Meaning that Brazil is pretty much flying blind again. 
Exactly. Yeah, it's reminiscent of the start of the pandemic. You know, we've got a lack of testing, a lack of restrictions, and the virus is basically being left to spread more or less unchecked. And a lack of vaccines. That too. And Ewan, the first wave was deadly, and then the second wave was even more so. Can we assume that a third wave will be even more dramatic? So that's what experts fear. Uh, the predominant mutation in Brazil at the moment appears to be the P1, or Amazon, variant. This uh, spreads much faster than the previous versions of the virus. It has affected younger patients more than ever, so much so that the median age of hospitalized Brazilians has now fallen to below 60. Now, there is some hope that in places which are slightly further along in their vaccination campaigns, such as Sao Paulo, uh, there's some hope that we might see some sort of immunization benefit among older populations. But it just doesn't look like it will be enough to stop another brutal and deadly wave coming so soon. And while it seems horrible to talk about the economy when so many people are dying, the problem about this crisis is not only the human toe of the virus, but, I mean, also its impacts on Brazilians' wallets. I mean, before vaccination started in Brazil, most fatal victims of the coronavirus were 70 or older. Those aged between 40 and 59 accounted for 18% of deaths, and now they are accounting for 34% of new deaths, I mean, one-third of deaths. And these are people that are economically active. Yeah, and it's not only that. Um, a recent study by the Institute for Applied Economic Research shows the sheer impact of senior citizen deaths on family income. Now, in Brazil, the income provided by elderly family members is so often overlooked. And these senior pensions and social security benefits make up over half of total income in 20% of Brazilian households. Now, economist Ana Amelia Camarano estimates that deaths of senior citizens have removed around 714 million US dollars from the Brazilian economy since March 2020. So we have Brazil losing citizens who provide a big chunk of family income and the virus is now starting to hit the economically active population even harder than it did before. So this poses enormous risks for the immediate future. And what about the government? With this third wave brewing, Jair Bolsonaro took to the streets this weekend, gathering thousands of people in Rio de Janeiro to protest against isolation measures. Yeah, so this was more the same from the Bolsonaro administration. Uh, they've been against mask use and social isolation since the very beginning of the pandemic. And, you know, there's no signs that that's going to change anytime soon. And, you know, these demonstrations were kind of bizarre in themselves, with Bolsonaro on the back of a motorcycle leading these large parades through the city streets. You know, he's done a few of them um, in Brasilia. This weekend it was in Rio de Janeiro. Next up is going to be in Sao Paulo and then in Belo Horizonte. Um, many kind of political analysts say that he's clutching at straws right now. Um, his popularity is falling, while the resurgence of the former centre-left president, Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, just keeps gaining steam. Ironically, perhaps the best thing Bolsonaro could do for his own popularity would be to stay at home and urge the Brazilian population to do the same. Ewan, thank you very much. If you like explaining Brazil, please rate us with five stars. That will help more people find out about this show. 
where you can sign up to The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We offer a 7-day free trial, no strings attached, which gives you access to the website for a week without the need to insert any credit card details whatsoever. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Thank you.